MSW Media. Please join us in thanking HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50complicated and use code 50complicated for 50% off plus free shipping. So Renato, will this gag order that Judge Chutkin just ordered against Trump hold up in court? Eh, it's complicated. I'm Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And I'm Asha Rangappa. I teach national security law at Yale University. I'm a former FBI special agent, and I'm a legal contributor for ABC News. And we're here to help you understand topics that can't be boiled down into a soundbite or a tweet. So, Asha, I have to tell you, I was a little bit surprised by Judge Shutkin's ruling. Um, I really thought she had signaled in that prior hearing that she was going to move the trial date if he uh, violated her order or did engage in some misconduct. And so I was a little bit surprised that instead of going in that direction, she ended up issuing a gag order. But isn't that sort of she's got to leave that she's got to leave some room. Could get worse, that sort of thing. Well, you know, in foreign policy, there is a concept called escalation dominance, which means that in order to remain the stronger party, you always have to have a higher place to go. If you have nowhere else to go, then you basically ceded escalation dominance and the other party is going to be better, uh, is going to be in a better position. This reminds me of, do you remember Seinfeld? Where George Costanza talked about having hand in a relationship. <laughs> I don't remember. Like, I vaguely has remember hand. this is too long ago, even for me. Yeah. It's like, it means the upper hand, oh, but wow. I think of it as who has hand. And I think she's, she needs to keep hand. <laughs> and therefore, I think, you know, maybe starting off a little mild might be the right way to go because he's going to break it. She's he's going to sure. he's going to break the gag order like five times. So she needs like five rungs on the escalation ladder. This. You see what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I don't know if I agree with it. I I think I do love this escalation doctrine thing. I'm going to use that at some point when I'm talking to my clients or something along those lines cuz you, you yeah. reach that point. Escalation I, I, dominance. Escalation dominance. Because I do reach that all the yeah. time with prosecutors where it's like, well, okay, you, you're subpoenaing me for something. Well, just indict my guy. You say you're going to do it anyway. So like, what do you have left to do? Like, what do I care? You know, uh, they, nothing left, uh, no, nothing left to hold over my head at a certain point. Yeah. But I, I get it. I, I think that uh, there's some issues with this, with this one. I mean, first of all, um, it's appealable. Because it's a technically a condition of his release. And so it seems to me like it's buying uh, a distraction for Trump. It's giving him a talking point. Um, potentially, I think it could be limited to some extent on appeal. Um, we could talk about that. But I just feel like the judge has unlimited power. I mean, I've joked about that in the past. So it's like Palpatine, unlimited power. I, I think she has unlimited power effectively when it comes to the trial. And so I just feel like, you know, if Trump w w had any sense and was dissuaded from doing things based on 
consequence. I just feel like he'd have uh, all sorts of reasons to obey her orders and she could always just keep moving the trial date up, up, up. I, I think this one is fraught with issues uh, because it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's a prior restraint on, on speech, which, you know, from a first amendment perspective is always, you know, something that courts take very seriously. Yeah. Though she did seem to craft it pretty narrowly, she right? Did. I mean, she's, she left open a lot of latitude for him to criticize Biden, to criticize her, to criticize even Mike Pence, who might be a witness for his policy since he's running as a opponent. But she's limited it to, you know, the court staff, prosecutors, uh, any reasonably foreseeable witness, which I think encompasses someone like General Milley. Um, and I think even there, you know, he would have to kind of cross the line into really threatening speech. But I, I think this is right because, you know, it's true she has unlimited power with regard to the trial date, but I mean, she has a limit to what she could do there before it becomes a due process issue, right? Like, I mean, it's not like she can be like, fine, you're just crazy. I'm going to make the trial next week. You know, she can't do that. No, but I mean, it's, it's far I mean, she from could, next week, but that's right? Not... I mean, she could certainly set it for six weeks or eight weeks from now if she wanted to. She could, like, yeah, you know, moving think, it up a but... month. Do this again, and I don't know where I'm going to move it to. But don't you want, don't you think that that's what you would want to do? Like, okay. The, the last, last resort, which is probably never, ever going to happen, is confinement. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That? So that, that, that's, that's not right. going to happen. So that's, you know, even though like on, on the escalation ladder, let's put that at the very, very top. Sure. Right. She's never going to get there. Unless, I mean, of course, never say never. I don't know what Trump is going to do, but, um, that's very unlikely. That's that's DEFCON five. DEFCON that's one. That's De- no, your DEFCON, Sasha. Oh, I don't know my oh DEFCON. Oh my god! Clearly, you've never watched wait, War Defcon Games. One? Okay, which is maybe the best movie movie of the eighties. So wait, one one is like thought, nuclear war. I thought it five is where okay, we're at so right that's now, what I mean. Where we're all just chilling. Okay, whatever, whatever. Okay, DEFCON one, DEFCON whatever the highest DEFCON is. Okay, is confinement, <laughs> and then. Before that, she has fines. Yeah. And then I think she'll fine. And before she actually moves the trial date, um, and I think the trial date will, like, I think it'll be like fine, increase the fine, increase the, so fine, increase the fine with a warning that if you don't get your act together, I'm moving this trial date up, then move the trial date up. And then, I mean, at that point, it's going to be like pretty egregious, right? So this is like, you're driving down the road, you're 10 years old with your brother or sister, you're fighting, and your dad's like, I'm pulling the car over. So you have to have a number of warnings. Okay. This is that level of threat. Like, ooh, <laughs> fine, right? Ooh. Uh, he's probably going to get that back in fundraising. I don't know. I hear what you're saying. If I was her law clerk, I was a bazillion years ago. Back when I was young, uh, I was a law clerk. So were you. My my advice to her would be like, let's not even make it about his speech in, in a granular way. And just be like, you know, 
Mr. Trump, you're creating a lot of problems for me. You're wasting my time in my courtroom. Conservation of judicial resources. You're, I'm, I'm constantly seeing motions because you're making all these statements about witnesses and throwing pot shots out there. You're making, you're motivating me to move this up my calendar because I just need to, I need to get, this is creating more trouble than it's worth. So we're going to move this up by a couple months. I may clear my calendar, move it around again if I have to deal with this again. And that's what I would do this way. It's not even a, a, a necessarily a restraint on speech. I'm not restraining your speech. You can say whatever you want, but I'm going to manage my own trial calendar. That's how I would construct it because I think I could see on appeal. What about this? Is what about this? If I if you're a clever person on the Trump team, and I know I'm going to get a bunch of comments on YouTube saying. You know, stop giving ideas to his team. Like they couldn't think of this on their own. Won't they just say that Jack Smith's a public figure, General Milley? I mean, you and I go on television and we talk about Jack Smith. We're on television talking about General Milley. Aren't these sort of public figures? And don't all of us have kind of the ability to criticize or not what they're doing? Isn't it, though, specific language that encourages people to? harass and threaten them. Yeah. yeah. It would have to, you know, it'll be interesting where the line ends up getting drawn there. I mean, she said that she, he could call it a politically motivated prosecution. She said that he can assert his innocence. I think he could say, Jack Smith's got it out for me. He's coming after me. And when he's coming after me, he's coming after you. I mean, he can still say all that stuff, right? I, I will say, uh, I mean, she did include Jack Smith in there and I really think that was a mistake. I think Jack Smith, you know what, if you're, I mean, when I was a federal prosecutor, people attacked me, not, not Donald Trump, no, no one like that, but I had plenty of people who tried to, I mean, I all do all sorts of things to me when I was like, it is, it's just part of the territory. Like he's a big boy, you know, he, he could take some criticism, but he's been more aggressive with. And Jack Smith, right? I mean, hasn't he called him like a deranged animal? I mean, I don't remember the specific language. It's been pretty bad. <laughs> sure. That's an opinion. That's in a matter of, right. it's opinion. Right. For, for, for perspective. Yeah, I hear you. It's hyperbole. I hear what you're saying. I just think First Amendment is one of those rare areas where courts are very aggressive about, um, about ensuring that there's no prior restriction. I just, that, that's my take on it. Um, but I think it's interesting. I, I mean, it, it's very, what's interesting to me is, you know, w- when we had, I think we talked in a prior episode, right? About how there was that narrowly crafted gag order when he went after the, yes. the judge's mm-hmm. law clerk in New York. And I'm like, what he's doing here is so different. I mean, I, I really think, you know, I think partly here is, the judge is reacting to what Jack Smith and his team are putting in front of her and they've been very aggressive. And I don't, I don't disagree with them at all. Putting that in front of her, I would do it if I was in their shoes. I, every time the defendant did something wrong, I would throw it in front of the judge and parade it in front of the judge. I just think her reaction is, uh, here she came part of the way their way. And I will, we'll see what, what develops from it. I just worry that it's going to create a bit of a soundbite for Trump. Yeah. But I feel like that's the wrong approach for Trump is calculating how like he's going to weaponize anything you do sure he's literally going to weaponize anything you do and he's going to lie about anything you do i mean he's already lying about the gag order he is Mm -hmm. in front of a rally claiming that he's not allowed to talk about joe biden right he's not allowed to talk about his case or joe biden or whatever which is exaggerated which is not true 
I know. It's a lie. That's not true. It's not just exaggerated. It's like explicitly not the case. I, I mean, she, I agree she with took, that. she took pains to allow him to do that. And you can tell that she's sort of called his bluff by the fact that he's claiming that she did. He kind of wanted her to do that. Yeah, I agree with um, that. I agree with that. But she's going to, so, what if some of, of it gets stricken down on appeal? It'll be a great victory. So who cares? Okay. Big deal. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I'm not really sure what you're, so what? I just would have, if I was her, like, why you have all sorts of other power, I would have just, I would have just done so. I would have done handled differently. It's interesting. We'll see. I mean, look, so what if I'm the judge and I think that there is a pretty reasonable chance that some MAGA cookpot is going to like, you know, try to assassinate you know, the prosecutor or go after the staff. I mean, right. remember after, after the search war was executed at Mar-a-Lago, one of his unhinged lunatic followers tried to attack an FBI office in Cincinnati with a nail gun. That is it true. It only takes one maniac. You know what I'm saying? And I think if I'm her, I'd rather take as conservative of an approach as I can, but I would want to signal that I take this seriously as opposed to, Oh, I might get overturned on appeal. So I'm just going to let him say yeah, whatever. I hear you. And I also you. it's a little bit of like a power play, right? Like she might get overturned, but it is important for her to assert boundaries. He's a boundary. Trump is a boundary creeper. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It sounds like therapy speak. It's, it's, He's uh, a boundary creeper. He is. Let's yeah. Let's set boundaries. I hear you. I, I hear everything you're saying with it, and I and I and I appreciate that she just may not give an f, uh, so to speak, uh, which is fine. I, I think that, I, like I said, I, I think that moving the trial date would have. What does he do with that narrative? Like, okay, we'll give you your. You want your trial? Here's your trial. Oh, she's not letting me prepare for trial. She's, you know, this is a, there, I'm being railroaded. Sure. Um, you know, the, I don't know, you know, my lawyers need this much time to prepare and she's using this as an excuse to make sure that I don't have a good, you know, I can't mount a defense. Yeah, I hear you. Frankly, I think, I think that would resonate more with his followers as being, uh, un, like really unfair to him. Than the speech thing. Really? Not being allowed to speak? Yeah, because because they're watching his dumb truth social posts. So they're, I mean, obviously, like, he's going to keep doing it. And they're going to see that nothing happens, right? Because I think the key here is, I don't think the issue is the overturning on appeal. I think the question is, what's going to be the enforcement mechanism? That's the problem for her. And that's where the escalation ladder comes in. Sure. I mean, I think she's going to end up at the same spot either way. I'm just yeah. like, she should not, she should just go proceed directly to go. It, and is it at this point, it looks to me like Tanya Chutkin stands alone. She is the one person in our legal system who has made, kind of drawn a line and is like, I am going to have a judicial proceeding before the election and things are going to, you know, something's going to happen here in these criminal cases. So it'll be very interesting to see, will this build, build in some delay? I don't know, through the appellate process and the conditions of relief, a release, I assume not, um, you know, that, that she'll keep going on with trial, I guess. Um, I, I, I guess we'll have to see. I suspect that there is going to be more battles going on. Uh, in the sort of weeks to come, as you as you indicated, 
between him and Tanya Chudkin. Yes, because he's going to violate the gag order. As sure as the sun sets. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's, and it'll, it's interesting because the usual, the usual downside is, you know, well, you're pissing off the judge and we all care about pissing off the judge. But if you're the honey badger, maybe you don't. <laughs> you just sort of do what you're going to do. He who cares the least controls the most. Indeed. I think that uh, I think that is Donald Trump very much. I mean, I, did you think that part of the calculus is that he's just calculating his life expectancy at this point? How long you can drag things out? No, I just I think he knows that she can only go so far. That's why she needs to. I've got hand. <laughs> well, maybe in Trump's view, in Trump's world, in Trump's view, he has he has hand because ultimately he'll just defy everything she does, and um, well. Yeah. Well, if he win, if he becomes president, he'll have the ultimate. He'll be ultimate hand. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I could make a joke, but I'm not. All right. Um, very. I, I think. I think we'll just have to wait and see how that develops. So, Asha, have you tried balancing taste, nutrition, and variety in your weekly dinner menu lately? Eh, it's complicated. With HelloFresh, variety truly is the spice of life. Expect an ever-changing menu of mouth-watering options delivered straight to your doorstep. And preparation is a breeze. Each box comes with the exact ingredients you need, paired with simple instructions making it easier than ever to have a healthy and delicious meal. I recently had their vegetarian paella, and it was amazing. How so? It was a canvas of sweet peppers and mushrooms, seasoned with rosemary and paprika, and tinted with turmeric. Each bite was a vegan and gluten-free delight. I can't wait to have it again sometime. Wow, you're making me want to try that next. Come to think of it, every meal I've had from HelloFresh has been absolutely delicious. HelloFresh does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients arrive at your doorstep, pre-portioned and ready to cook, along with step-by-step recipe cards with pictures. How easy is that? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50complicated and use code 50complicated for 50% off plus free shipping. Enjoy the crisp flavors of autumn with ingredients that are in season and harvested at the pinnacle of ripeness. With HelloFresh, every bite you take is a celebration of the season's freshest produce, straight from the farm to your doorstep, along with chef-crafted recipes that are as delightful as they are easy to prepare. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50complicated and use code 50complicated for 50% off plus free shipping. Speaking of hand um <laughs> and and um, losing hand and there you go um jim as we record this podcast uh on tuesday it sure looks like jim jordan uh is not going to get the job that he's looking for uh it, do, it doesn't look like speaker of the house is in the cards for jim jordan the last that i left the count 
he had lost, and there were 20 Republicans who had defected. We're recording this on Tuesday night, and we, you know, a lot could happen between now and when this drops on Friday. We don't know. So I, I don't claim to be a political genius at all. Um, but when I look at this situation in the House, um, it's interesting because there, it feels like the Republicans are just cycling through one sort of really radical right wing choice after another. None of them are going to hit the 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 maximum that they need. So what? Where does this end up? What's the end point? Hakeem Jeffries is not going to be speaker. I don't understand what the end game is. I mean, it's. I don't know. They have to agree on someone and they have, I guess they have too big of a MAGA caucus now, right? To settle on anyone reasonable. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with this. It's interesting because we're seeing the Democrats in array and the Republicans in disarray. I don't know if I, that I've ever would have thought that that would happen in my lifetime. Is that ever, would that ever cross your mind? That the Republicans would be the ones who would just be completely all over the place, pointing fingers at each other, and the Democrats would be very disciplined, organized, and top-down, like command-control model. That's the opposite of what I've always seen in terms of looking at the two parties in my lifetime. Yeah, though I feel like in the last six years, you've seen the entropy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nancy Pelosi's part of that, because I think she... Got this caucus together. So can we though contemplate just, I mean, and this could be by the time this drops, it could either be a, you know, distant worry in the rear view mirror, or it could be the nightmare that we are living. So imagine Jim Jordan as the speaker. Close your eyes and imagine. Discuss. Ladies and gentlemen <laughs> of the jury. Jim Jordan, yeah. the Speaker of the House. The the second in line to the presidency. Wow. What could go wrong? <laughs> what, if anything, could go right in that circumstance? Well, I, I imagine Fox News ratings would, would go up because he'd probably have a Fox News camera in the Oval Office. Everything would be about getting 90-second hits on Fox News. Well, not if he's present. That's what I'm just saying. At first, if he's the speaker. I, oh, let's, the Oval Office. Let's yeah, definitely I don't know. I was not. getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting well, you said you're second in line in the presidency, so you got me thinking. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Thought. Don't go down that rabbit hole. Yes. Okay. So, all right. So, he's Speaker of the House. Well, I mean, here – okay, I'm going to give you a ra- – here, hot take alert. Hot take alert. Is it going to be any different than Kevin McCarthy? I mean, it's not like Kevin McCarthy in his, in the House was doing anything particularly unifying. So, what is Jim Jordan going to do differently? Well, I think I think Jim Jordan is more destructive than Kevin McCarthy. I think to the I mean, Kevin McCarthy made a lot of concessions to stay on as speaker, right? So he was going along with a lot of these crazy town things like the Jim Jordan's weaponization committee and impeaching Joe Biden. I mean, those don't, again, I could be wrong, but it was not my impression that those were initiatives that he really wanted. He just had to agree to them in exchange to get the votes from the crazies. 
It's interesting though. I mean, there's but, all these people, there's these people in the Republican party who care about appearances, who care about whatever they're, at least they claim to, they care about, you know, they, they know better, but then they just go along with the crazies and, and or the radicals. And we end up effectively in the same spot that, you know, yeah. in other words, I guess we get some mouth, mouth, mouth you know, there's sort of mouthpieces or they, 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 they mouth some words. Uh, like for example, you, you, at times you'll get Speaker McConnell attack, you know, to condemn Donald Trump trying to try to kill half of his, his Senate caucus. Um, but then two weeks later, everything's back to normal and we just sort of, you know, we just roll with whatever Trump wants. I, I don't know. I just wonder. I mean, to, to make all those concessions, Kevin McCarthy basically put Jim Jordan as speaker anyway. Yeah. But I, I guess he, he had some thing that he didn't do. I don't even know why. Why did Gates want him out of there? He was mad because he allowed the government to shut down the government, right? Oh, right, 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 right. I, I keep forgetting. It's like that meatloaf song. I won't do that. But isn't, <laughs> wasn't it poignant, that song? Because it was like, I will do anything for I love. I didn't understand I that. Oh, it's he won't cheat for love. And at the point oh. is, he, he would, um, yeah, he won't go screwing around. Um, because he won't do that. But why would you be doing that for love? Well, making love. I don't know. Okay. I didn't think that, that, that I, I was always, that was my interpretation of the lyrics as, as a young man. Okay. Anyway. So McCarthy, he wouldn't do that. He would not. He's not going to close down a government to like make a point. <laughs> and so he got booted. Um, I think the deeper thing that's going on here, though, is that you have a party that I think for so long, probably since Newt Gingrich, has been able to persuade such a huge chunk of the American population that they can't expect anything. They can't expect Congress to do anything. And so it's no, you know what I'm saying? So they'll they'll tolerate this. Like So it's just become spectacle. Um, Ruth Ben Giat, who writes about authoritarianism, talks about, you know, governing by spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I mean, it's usually in the context of the, the actual authoritarian figure, but you see a lot of that happening with them too. They can get away with it because their constituents love it. Can you imagine? I mean, their, their constituents literally don't expect them to pass any laws. And they've been conditioned to to not expect that. The differences between between that they have with the rest of the world are not a policy focused, right? Their grievance about various things and you know, identity, you know, certain issues, right? That they're angry about, right? They're angry that gay people exist. <laughs> not not they're not really looking for policy change. And I so I think Jim Jordan governing in order to get more Fox News airtime. That's exactly what he was doing in that committee, the weaponization committee. And I think that's presumably what he would do as speaker. And I think that's what the Republican Party is nowadays, right? It's creating clips, whether it's for uh, Daily Wire, Fox News, or, you know, or, or, or something else. Uh, it, it's, it's all about getting airtime for yourself. And, and by the way, you said, you know, this is sort of what Republicans have convince people that Congress is about, I actually think they've reworked what the American uh, legislative branch is about in, in broader ways than that, because 
gerrymandering and the re and, and also the reconfiguring by aligning the parties in ideology and flipping the South the way that they did, they basically made it so that there are no moderate Democrats or moderate Republicans anymore. And so it's just all balkanized, right? And and everything's about a, a sort of hating what Democrats do, that sort of thing. Yeah. But they, I mean, I really do think if their constituents wouldn't put up with it, they would be forced to actually deliver on something. And it's really sad because, you know, many of those constituents could potentially have their lives significantly improved by actual, I mean, whether it's even like things that aren't even polarizing, like, you know, investment in infrastructure or something like that, um, you know, beyond what Biden is doing. But, you know, it's that, is that whole, what's the matter of Kansas? Like they vote, they're, they're acting against their own economic interests. Um, and it, to me, that's really sad because it's like, they don't even recognize like what they're losing by allowing this kind of circus and, being convinced that this is what the purpose of these elected officials is. Yeah. I have many family members who fall into that, into that bucket of voting against their own economic interests and other interests all the time. Uh, but I, I wonder, and I'll give you kind of, I'll take a flip side on it. Is the, let's say the Republican party shooting itself in the foot yet again, let's just say they nominate Trump. Trump's found guilty of crimes and his businesses are, you know, got all these problems now in the state of New York that we talked about in prior episodes. They nominate Trump and Jim Jordan, let's just say magically in this hypothetically becomes Speaker of the House, a guy who has all sorts of issues and problems, is not a serious person. Does this mean a, um, a better electoral odds for the Democrats? Does this mean a sustained Democratic majority? Does this provide... Um, uh, incentive for Democrats to work hard and organize and go door to door and contribute small amounts and do all the things that are necessary to move this across the finish line. And do, in some way, uh, in indirectly, are these people responsible for the Democrats being an array? As we talked about earlier, is really are they an array because Democrats see the, the Democrats see the danger that the democracy is in, and so they're the stakes are so high that they're putting all of their petty squabbles to the side. I hope so. Um, I, I hope so, but yeah, I think the organizing and going door to door. I mean, how far can that get you? I don't know. I have to think through how much damage could Jim Jordan do as Speaker of the House in terms of um, the certification of an electoral vote. I mean, that's Kamala Harris is the one who performs the function. But what could he do? I, I would think that. I was told she's the decider. Right. She, just she just decides. She just decides. She just, you know, <laughs> looks at her magic that. eight ball and decides who, who she wants. Um I'm just wondering how much he can throw a wrench in it, given his position. Well, it gets thrown into the House of Representatives. I believe that they vote on a st- each state gets one vote, right. right? Isn't it? Uh, and which totally screws Democrats because there's all these large states like California that get one vote, the same vote as like Delaware or Wyoming. Okay, but not in terms of the process where it gets, like in terms of the objection process. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I, I, you need a, I think you need a senator to join in the protestation, but you'll always find one. <laughs> Isn't it right? They just need one congressman, like Ted Cruz, podcast host Ted Cruz, uh, will, will join with Jim Jordan. I mean, they, they did this stuff anyways. Jim Jordan. Let's just highlight here as we're talking about this that Jim Jordan was really in the thick of January 6th. True. Uh, true. I mean, he was in communication with Trump that day. He was fully on board. He has, he's still an election denier. He believes that they were patriots and completely righteous to storm the Capitol. I mean, this is, it's kind of crazy. But as Dan Crenshaw points out, most of the Republicans were in that same boat. Like he's, that's his whole party at this point. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, maybe putting up somebody who's unabashedly uh, what they are at this point instead of trying to put a face on it. Like Kevin uh-huh. McCarthy tries to convince you he doesn't really believe this stuff. Right. But he does. Like, it, 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 you know, I mean, I don't really believe this, but, you know, I got to do what I got to do. So I'm going to just cave to everything Jordan and Gates want, but I'm going to pretend like I, I don't really believe all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, in some ways, like I said, there's some, uh, I do think that there is this bright lining that has occurred here. And, and you know what? You and I would not only not be doing this podcast, but I know I will tell you, I wouldn't have been go, you know, joining indivisible groups and going to rallies and doing all the, the stuff that I was doing if it wasn't for these radical shifts in, in, politics that were started by Donald Trump and all sorts of radical people who followed him. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a J curve of, you know, where there'll be much more civic engagement, as you said, as you know, I think we've seen some pendulum shift in that way, but man, if Jim Jordan becomes speaker, it definitely is going to get worse before it gets better. That is true. The only the only bright lining is another election is right around the corner. So, all right, I, I'll tell you something that I just uh, that I just discovered this week. I have always been. I'll, I'll tell you this: will everyone can laugh at how old I am. I've always been a sickler that I needed to own my music, and that I would not use streaming music services because I wanted to have like my own. Now, I'm going to download my music. I'm going to have my own music. So if I'm offline, I own it. Okay. But I learned that since I have YouTube premium. What do you no, mean? Like, like I DVDs download the files. Like you can go to Amazon and or oh. I, I, uh, Apple and just download. Okay. Okay. This old school. Well, uh, used to not be old school. It used to be radical. You pay for it. You and pay you pay for, for that. that. So I own that song. Okay. I'm not just, I'm not paying a subscription. I own it. I don't know. Why? It's just always, I, I felt like I had, I owned it. I was offline and then I could port my music anywhere and I had, I owned it. But you can have like Spotify and just like, and download the songs to listen yeah. offline. So I never did that. <laughs> but I did learn recently. I, because I have YouTube <laughs> I premium, mean, you're paying. I watch videos on YouTube. I do all get their music service. So now I'm just like learning what that's all about. I'm like, oh, I can like the songs. And they're available in like a list. And then it's sort of like my little library and I can download them. I'm learning this for the, I'm learning, I'm, I'm growing. I'm, it's like the 20, 
the 21st century is here. Okay. So are you really serious about your music? Are you one of these like serious music people where you like judge other people and like their music choices and... No, I used to be the person. So when I was in college, I was the editor of the student newspaper uh-huh. and we had the, uh, we had a, this, the arts and entertainment section was called voices. And it was always like hipster people who they were fans of, of like bands that had like vinyl records and, you know, it was like the flying pineapples or something. You know, like you never heard of them, but they were like way too cool yeah. for me. So I've never been that person. I like, I like popular music. Yeah, I've never been that person either. There are always people who are listening to music that was way too cool for me to know. Yeah, most of the music that I enjoy is like music everyone's heard of. Or it's something I heard randomly and I'm like, okay, this is super cool. Like it was uh, featured on some video I watched or TV show and I'm like, okay, I've never heard of this artist before, but this one song is really cool and I'll download it. Otherwise, it's just like I like hip hop. Uh, particularly old school stuff, right? 90s and 2000s because I'm old. Um, but I like pop music. Wait, we're the same age. I like 80s. 80s? Okay, okay. Wow. 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 When I listen, I like, so my stepdaughter like makes fun of me 80s. for listening to old, old hip hop. And she's like, 2000s is old to her. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, no. it wasn't a yeah, mine's not hip like, hop. Mine's like, I listened to not, Lil Nas X. Nas. I, I mean, 80s pop. Okay. That's, is that even pop or is that like new wave? <laughs> I think it's pop. I'm just, I'm 80s just, pop. I'm just screwing. 80s pop rocks. Um, it rocks? It rocks. It's, it's, isn't that like light music? Are you yacht rock? That, what are you my, talking my, about? What are you talking about? Like, yacht rock. Yeah. yeah the, Top 40 songs from the 80s is not. No, I understand. No, you're right. You're right. Actually, a lot of it is yacht rock. (laughs) Right. It's like the early 80s. It's all like, quote, yacht rock. She loves that yacht rock. Some of it isn't. Some of it isn't. Like, I don't know. I mean, some of it is like really old 80s. Like, no, I I like some 80s songs. I I was, I grew up in the 80s too, um, just like you. But I probably, I, I, my, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I kind of blossomed later. I do like some of the stuff like uh, Guns N' Roses and so on. But what about I was, air supply? Eh. I saw air supply in concert. Oh wow. I saw you two in concert and I think air supply opened for them. Oh. I mean recently I saw air supply oh, in concert. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but I when like I stuff. Younger- but I used to like stuff. I, I really got into alternative in like the okay. early nineties. So okay. I loved Counting Crows. That was like when I was growing up, that was like a big deal in high school. Counting Crows and Natalie Merchant, 10,000 Maniacs. I've seen them in concert both many times. Um, so that Do you like era. live? Do you get, like going to see live music? I do. I don't see it as much as I'd like, but I love seeing live music. Okay. And, and But I think that said, it's usually like, I'm usually more like seeing singer-songwriter types. Like I saw Nora Jones in concert. But I have seen like Lenny Kravitz. I've seen you too. I've seen, but I, I don't go to like a lots of massive concert venues to hear big bands. Or I'm not a big live music person. Okay, I'm not like a. I don't go to festivals or anything like that. Yeah, no, that I know there was a big music festival here in Connecticut a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, who goes to that? I mean, 
it's like raining. It's like crowds of people. I'm sure everybody's smoking pot. You know, you're elbowing your way around. It's like sure. a COVID super spreader event probably at that point. I don't know. Like, it's just my nightmare. That's I, funny. This is, this is why I have Spotify. Wow. So we have all the flus in Chicago and that was always a thing. It's right. I, when I was a federal prosecutor, the federal courthouse was right near where Lollapalooza was. And so like you, if I walked out to get like something to eat or drink, I'd go to get my coffee and there'd be all these like youngsters who are half naked high with, from pot trying to steal stuff out of the Walgreens across the street or the Starbucks or whatever they were doing. Yeah. I, I've never been interested in that, but um, I like live music occasionally. Like I like I like going to jazz clubs, things like that. Like I love going to jazz clubs, blues clubs, Chicago, that sort of thing. No, I couldn't take you to a jazz club, huh? No, I don't want to go. To, I don't want to go to a. I don't want to go to a jazz club. I don't want to go to jazz club. Blues, maybe. Blues, maybe. Uh, so I do relaxing music. I mean, that's part of the reason, like I, I was saying, I was saying in the beginning, I got the YouTube Premium because you can listen to like, you know instrumental music for three hours if you're studying or if you're doing work or you're i'll go to the symphony okay i really enjoy going to the symphony okay Uh, the yale the yale the yale lecture is like oh yes i go to the symphony what it's good and actually you know they have in addition to classical music the new haven symphony and the hartford symphony do kind of fun stuff so um Every few years, I'll do a John Williams concert. That's how I got oh, my kids going to the. Yeah, I would take okay, my kids because then they would get into that. And then the Hartford Symphony does this really fun thing um, where they will screen movies and then play the score. Yeah, I've seen. I, that's you know, awesome. so they've done like the Harry Potter movies. I think they're doing Lord of the Rings. They're actually, they're doing awesome. Dirty Dancing tonight, and I was so mad Ooh. to have to miss it. Oh, okay. I love that sort of instrumental stuff, but I will put that stuff on in the background because that's part of, we talked about mindfulness before and things. So a lot of times just to have peace, I'll put on whether it's Enya or Lord of the Rings or things that are like very instrumental or very, you know, peaceful because it's like puts me in a good mind space. Yeah. M-S-W-Media.